All right, take out your Bibles. And I pray each week as you come, you bring a Bible electronically on your phone, your tablet, or a hard copy with you. I encourage you every week to bring a notebook and a sheet of paper and bring you a pen or pencil so you can take notes, because I believe each week as we get in God's Word that uh, God really wants to penetrate our heart and life with the Word that we're going to need. I want to remind you, Satan has a trap set for you this week. And I believe that trap is to entangle you with the things of this world. And I believe each Sunday morning as we study God's Word, we get in God's Word, that I'm praying that God is penetrating that Word deep in your life so you are ready for the trap that Satan's got set for you. I want to remind you, Satan is going around like a roaring lion. He is seeking who he may devour. The devil is our enemy. He is not our friend. And the devil is trying to come after you. And one of the ways the devil comes after us, he doesn't want us to pray. The devil does not want the enemy doesn't want us to be a praying church. First Baptist, I firmly believe that God's got a great vision for us as a church. I firmly believe that God wants to use us as a body of believers to see so many lives transformed in Volusia County. Are you with me? Do you believe God has brought us together for such a time as this for, the, for us to see a great move of God? I'm all in with you. And because I'm all in with you, that means we all got to be in praying together. The devil doesn't want us praying. Let me tell you, I, I have learned how to pray Honestly, by watching a mom that prayed. And as a matter of fact, I'm excited. This last week, she sold her home. So, we praise God for that. As a matter of fact, my mom never put a for sale sign up in her yard. This is what she said, did she, Amy? She said, I am praying to God, and God is going to sell my house. And guess what? He did this week. And as a matter of fact, I mean, quickly, she's got to be out of our house and moved here by June the 11th. So you got to start praying for us that she's going to find a house and they can move out and she can be moved in before June the 11th. The second thing about it, that I, about Amy's mom, Amy's mom is a praying mama. I'm telling you, both of us were blessed as we were talking about coming to be the pastor here at First Baptist, and we told our, I told Amy's mom and dad and my mom, every, the three of them responded the same way. We're going to pray, and if this is what God wants, you walk in faith in it, and you're going to see God open up doors like you can never imagine. So God's been doing that in our family. My mom's selling her house. That's done. Guess what? Amy's mom and dad, they closed in 
on their house May the 25th, and they're moving here the first week of June. So let me tell you, we have watched, we have watched God move in a mighty way in our home. And I'm telling you, we're bringing people the first Baptist with us. I have a question. Who are you bringing? We say, Pastor, we want to see our church grow. We want to see this place packed out. You know how that's going to happen? By us praying and you inviting. So I'm going to ask you, who'd you invite to come to church with you this week? Here's the thing. We don't need to come to church alone. We need to come to church with somebody that we've invited. So be praying about who you're going to invite this week. Here's what I want you to do. Turn in your Bibles, Gospel of Matthew. Matthew. Matthew chapter 21. This is an incredible place in all of time and eternity. Matthew chapter 21, we're going to begin in verse number 12. Here is what Matthew chapter 21, verse number 12, or Matthew chapter 19. Sorry about that. I'm in the wrong. It helps if I get in the right book in the Bible, wouldn't it? Look at Matthew chapter 21. We're going to begin in verse 12. This is right after the triumphal entry. Jesus Christ had walked into the city of Jerusalem. We know that they laid down the palm branches. They cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus went from that, and Jesus walked into the temple. When Jesus got to the temple, did Jesus find the temple being a place of prayer or not? Yes or no? No. So may I ask you a question? If Jesus Christ walked into this place, would he find us a place of prayer? We don't want to be found doing transactions but not praying. Here's something I want you to write down. This is worth your whole Sunday right here. Write this down. When we pray, praying is not about God pleasing us, but God changing us. Write this statement. This is worth the whole day. Praying is not about God pleasing us, but changing us us. If we pray with the mindset of God pleasing us, then we're going to become bitter and angry at God. God is not about pleasing us, but God is about lifetime transformation and change. Let me make this really personal. With our four children, Every time our children ask for something from us, and they do a lot, when they come and ask us for something, 
if I am just about pleasing them, they are going to be the most spoiled, rotten, self-indulged children you will ever meet. I want you to look at me. When my children ask for something, it's not about pleasing them, but it's about changing them to see life transformation in them. When you are praying, it is not about God trying to be a Santa Claus God and please you, but God is more concerned about transforming you and you looking more like him. What does that mean? Praying is not a, a transaction. We are not praying and saying, God, do this and please me. Praying, it is so personal, it is so intimate, because we are in the presence of a holy, righteous God. And let me tell you, the will of God for us that we are a church that is a praying church. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 19, verse 12. Incredible moment. Can you picture Jesus walking into the temple? Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all of those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers. And the seats of those who sold doves. What have they done? They took the most sacred place. They took the temple of Almighty God and they made a mockery of it. Here's what they were doing. As people would come in, they would, the money changers, they would say, you've got to use the temple currency in order to be able to buy and sell within the temple. So I want you to go see this person over here, and I want you to go and exchange your money. And you know what? When they would exchange money, they would absolutely abuse it, and they would abuse the person, and they would take advantage of them. Have you ever been overseas somewhere and you exchange money and somebody took advantage of you? I'll never forget, John Robert and I were in London, and we were in London. We had finished a mission trip, and some of our church family were in London uh, working there for a couple of years. So John Robert and I spent some time in London, and, and on one particular day, I exchanged money in the morning... That afternoon, I had to exchange that money back, and I figured out just in the exchange, in the morning and the night, I lost 30% of my money in fees in exchange. Well, guess what? In the temple, hey, you got to use this currency. They were abusing as they were exchanging. Not only that, look back at that verse of Scripture in verse number 12. It says, and those who sold doves, the animals. I mean, they were saying, hey, we're going to bring our animals in, and they would expect it, and they said, oh, no, this isn't going to work. I mean, Lul and I had a deal. Lul, you're, you're going to expect every animal that comes in this, and you're going to reject every one of them, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to reject all of the animals they bring. You're going to say they're not good, so that they're going to come to me, and they're going to buy my animals and my animals when they expect it. My animals are good animals. Their animals are bad. And you know what? I'm going to give you a cut of the money. Are you in? That's exactly what they did. 
But hear me. It just wasn't about what they were doing. It's about what they were also not doing. Look at verse 13. We see what they are doing in verse 12. Verse 13 tells us what they were not doing. And he said to them, It is written, My house. Look back in the text of Scripture again, and it says in verse 13, and, it, and he said to them, it is written. May I ask you a question, where is this written? I want you to write down two references in your Bible. As a matter of fact, what Jesus is going to do, Jesus is going to put two verses of Scripture together from the Old Testament. He says, and this is written. Write these two references down. First one, Jeremiah chapter 7 Verse 11. Jeremiah 7, verse 11, it is saying that you have made my house into a den of thieves. Jeremiah 7, 11. Write this scripture down in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7. Isaiah 56, verse 7, it is saying that my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. So Jesus Christ is saying in verse 12, what they are doing is wrong. Verse 13, what they are not doing. And Jesus puts a verse in Jeremiah and Isaiah together and said, this is what is written. My house shall be called a house of what? Hold on again. My house shall be called a house of what? Prayer. First Baptist. First Baptist should be a house of, hold on, hold on. First Baptist should be a house of what? Prayer. Prayer. May I ask you a question? Why is it so easy for us to say, man, these three or four days, I'm, I'm going to focus in. I'm praying, I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying. Next thing you know, it just kind of slips away and you're not praying anymore. How many of you have ever had your prayer life just kind of slip away from me and it wasn't that important? Uh, hold on, let's be honest. We're just family, right? We're family. How many of you in your life, at some point, you've just kind of let your prayer life just kind of slip away? Has that ever happened to y'all? How many of y'all have ever fallen asleep while you're praying? How many of y'all have ever fallen asleep at church while somebody's praying? How many of y'all have ever been sitting in church and said, Lord, I'm so tired. Can we move to a time of prayer so I just close my eyes? I have confessions good for the soul, isn't it? Why is it we can sit there and be so energetic about something and then we start to pray? It's like we can't keep our eyes open. 
Why is it that we can be so excited about something over here and be so energetic and we're all in? Why is it that we can go to work and we can stay focused at a task for a while? But how many of you are like with me? How many of you have ever started praying in about three or four minutes of praying? Your mind has wandered. How many of you have ever had your mind wander away when you're praying? And you just start to wonder. Here's a reason why Satan knows when God's people make the church a house of prayer, that the Holy Spirit of God will energize it, that church, and use that church. Look at this quote that's going to come up on the screen by Jim Simbola of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. I'll never forget, Amy and I were at the Moody's Pastors Conference, and he was speaking. Jim Simbola of Brooklyn says, Satan's main strategy with God's people has always been the whisper. Don't call. Don't ask. Don't depend on God to do great things. You'll get along fine if you just rely on your own cleverness and energy. How many of y'all have ever had Satan lie that to you? Quit calling, quit asking. How many of you have ever started praying and you think, but Lord, I'm not even worthy? Has the devil ever said, man, who do you think you are? Look at you, you're scum of the earth. Who do you think you are? I mean, look what you thought yesterday. I mean, have you ever had that moment you started to pray and you're saying, God, we're supposed to be a house of pray. How many of you ever started to pray and you had such a sense of unworthiness? How many have ever felt unworthy praying? Here's what I want you to get. We're to be a house of prayer. And Satan is going to do everything he can that we will not be a house of prayer. And I want you to hear me, and you've got to be prepared for this. As God is doing a great move of God within our church, as God takes us to next steps, the devil is always going to take the next steps to come after us. Where God is at work, the enemy is going to be at work. So we better be praying. But how does this happen? I want you to turn in your Bibles over to the book of Hebrews. I want you to see this in the book of Hebrews. Turn with me all the way to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. What has God called us to do? House of prayer. Second question I want you to answer is, Why can we pray? Why in the world can we even pray in the first place? We know that God is holy. So let me ask you this. Has God ever sinned? Let's answer that again. Has God ever sinned? So how in the world can we as sinful people pray? There's only one way that you and I as sinful, unworthy people can pray. I've got some good news. We have a mediator, and that mediator's name is Jesus. 
We as sinful, unworthy people can pray because we have a mediator in the name of Jesus Christ. And not only do we have a mediator, he gives us access into the presence of God. When you are praying, it's not a transaction. When you're praying, it is so personal. It is so intimate. And you're able to pray intimately and personally. And you can pray with all boldness, all frankness, all openness. You have access to the presence of God. Why? Well, let's answer that question. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. This is incredible. Therefore, brethren, Christ's followers, having boldness. Right next to that word boldness, right openness, that you can be frank, that you can be blunt, that you can be raw before God. I mean, when you come in the presence of God, you can be open, you can be frank. And can look this way. God's got some big shoulders. He can handle them. When we come to God, you come to Him praising and making much of who He is. And I'm telling you, and then you just get open and you get frank and you get raw with God. Sometimes we just want to pray these little Sunday school prayers. When you get in the presence of a holy God, you just cry out and you can be open and frank before him. That's what that means, bold. As a matter of fact, right in their Bibles, right there next to it, right, Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to look at it in a minute. In Hebrews chapter 4, the same scripture is used when Jesus is our high priest who can sympathize with us because he has been tempted in all things without sin. But it tells us that because of that, because he's interceding for us, the high priest, we can come boldly. The same exact Greek word there, that we can come with all openness and all frankness and just all before God. But here's the reason why. Let's look back in verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter... Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the what? Holiest. When was the last time you prayed and you got overwhelmed because you entered the holiest? Can we rewind and go back to the Old Testament? May I ask you a question? In the Old Testament, was every single person on planet Earth, could they go into the holiest? Yes or no? If you were not of one of the 12 tribes, could you even go into the temple, the outer court? No. Let's review, and I love John Phillips in his commentary, how he states that. He says, picture a a Moabite. One of the Moabites goes up to the temple mount, and the Moabite goes up to the gate and said, sir, can I, am I, I want to come on the temple mount. And the gatekeeper said, well, who are you? Well, I am a Moabite. He said, I am so sorry. You've got to be an Israelite in order to come through this gate. 
And he says, the Moabite says, sir, how can I do that? He says, sir, quite frankly, you've got to be born again, and you've got to be born an Israelite. As that Moabite stands outside the gate, he's, he's watching a priest as he is getting prepared. He said, what are they doing? Well, he's going to go inside the temple where the candle is. The showbread is, he's going to go in there. Hey, how do you get in there? He said, oh, are, are you allowed in there, gatekeeper? Oh, I'm not even allowed in there. You, you've got to be in the tribe, tribe of Levi, the family of Aaron, in order to do that. I'm not even allowed that. He said, what else is in that temple? Well, let me tell you, in that temple, there's a gigantic veil. The veil is as thick as a man's hand. As a matter of fact, there is no way you could take a team of oxen on both sides. They can't tear it apart. On the other side of that veil, the presence of God. Well, can I, can, who can go in there? He said, oh, let me tell you. Only the high priest can go in there. Well, you know what? If I was a high priest, he says to that gatekeeper, if I was a high priest, I would go in that presence of God. At least three times a day, I would be in the presence of God. He said, oh, no, sir. To him, about you got to understand something. The high priest, only one day a year on the day of atonement that he's allowed in there. As a matter of fact, he has a a purification process that he has to go through before he goes in there. As a matter of fact, even his clothing has bells on the bottom of it because if he goes in there and he does something wrong, he's going to fall over dead. Well, how do you get him out? Well, sir, we can't run in there and get him because if anybody else goes in there besides the high priest, they're also going to die. So we tie a rope around this guy so if the high priest, he does something wrong and he falls over dead, then guess what? We just have to drag him out. Every time as that high priest with the gold and the holies of holies and make atonement for the sins of the people. It would just push back those sins another year. Then the whole... High priest would come back the next year in the day of atonement. And as they make the sacrifice in the Holy Ghost, they would just push back the sins of the people another year. Let me illustrate it. John Robert, come up here. I'm going to picture I'm the banker and he's loaning money from me. Doesn't that sound pretty good, Father, Son? Here we go. I'm the, I'm the banker. He's loaning money from me. And he said, hey, banker, I, I need to loan some money. And I say, you know what? I'll loan you money for one year. So I'll loan John Robert money for one year. The one year comes back, and John Robert comes back. He, has, he hasn't paid it off, and he can't pay it off. So you know what? I, you know what I'll do for you? I'll, I'll, I'll loan you that money for another year. Another year goes by, and John Robert comes back to me again and says, Hey, banker, I'm so sorry. I, I can't pay off that loan. You keep adding interest to it. There's no way. So, you know, well, it's all right. I'll loan you money another year. He comes to me year after year after year. I keep loaning him money year after year after year. One year at a time. I keep pushing it back one year. Then all of a sudden, come up here, Brother Bobby. 
Come on up here, Brother Bobby. Then all of a sudden, Brother Bobby comes. Brother Bobby comes and says, you know what I'm going to do? John Robert, I'm going to pay all the debt off. Brother Bobby comes. He pays off all of the debt that John Robert's been pushing one year to the next year, to the next year, to the next year, to the next year. We kept pushing it back and covering it for one more year. But then there came a point that Brother Bobby said, I will wipe it all away. Can I tell you what happened in the Old Testament? The holies of holies, as a high priest would go in and make the sacrifice of the atonement of the people's sin, it would push it back one more year, push it back another 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 year, until something happened. Until Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven and came to live the perfect life and came to be the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ said, you're not going to push it anymore. I'm going to take all of it. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. I say, what is this? This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Please look at me. You, through Jesus Christ, you are given access to God. It was push back, push back, push back. Then Jesus said, by my blood, I will be the mediator. And by my blood, I'm going to give an opportunity for all people to have access to me. I mean, look, look what it says. This is so good. Verse 19, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest you, ma'am, sir, you get to enter into the holiest. And how do you get there? Look how verse 19 ends. By the blood of Jesus. I mean, you have incredible access. In order to have access into the holiest, into the presence of God, you got to have Jesus. I, I, I brought with me a, a wristband, and it's just not any kind of wristband. It, it's a specialty wristband for Disney World. And it's not any just... Wristband, it's a special edition Star Wars band. They only made 2,500 of these. We bought them quite a few years ago. In order for us, for John Robert to get access into the Magic Kingdom, 
he's got to take his armband, put his armband up to Mickey ears, put his finger in it, scans him to make sure it's really him, and then he can go in. Can I tell you, what gives us access to the presence of God is Jesus. You can't be good enough. You can't do anything else except come through the one mediator, Jesus, in order to get to the presence of God. So let me ask you, do you have access? If you're a Christ follower, you have access to the mighty God. So do you have access? Why aren't you using it? Wouldn't it be crazy for me to spend all those hundreds of dollars for John Robert to have access into Disney, and it just sits there for a year. We pay the annual fee so he can get in Disney 365 days at any moment he wants to. How crazy it would be for that to sit in his bedroom and collect dust. I mean, at any moment, he can walk up to that gate, put it, put his finger in, and he's got instant access to it all. How crazy would it be to have the opportunity to have access and then not use it? Mm, do you see where I'm going with this? Do you see where I'm going with this? How crazy is it for us as brothers and sisters in Christ? We have access to the holiest. We have access to the Shekinah glory of God. We have access to who God is. And what do we do? Let it collect dust. We let, well, God, I, I'm sorry. I'm just, quite frankly, I'm just too busy to accept who you are today. Ooh. Hey, Lord, I, I've got too much on my agenda today. Really? Hey, Lord, I think I can figure this out. Oh, yeah, great. How's it worked out for you so far? Here's what I want you to do, and I'm done. What a tragedy it is that we have incredible access through Jesus. But we're too much about us. What did we study last week in Jeremiah? Jesus said, God says, call to me. Not only does he say call to me, but I'm going to make a way so you can call to me. Here's why we can call. When I call on Jesus, I can call him boldness. Why? Because you know what? When I got saved, I got covered in Jesus. When I got saved, 
I was like the prodigal son. Remember when the prodigal son came home in Luke chapter 15? What did the father do? The father gave him a new what? Put a what on him? Robe on him. I want you to know when you got saved, you got the most incredible robe. You got the robe of Jesus' righteousness. Have you ever thought about it when you say, but Lord, I feel so unworthy when I pray. But you know what? When you're coming, you're not coming in your righteousness. You're not coming in who you are. When you're coming into the presence of God, you are coming through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which you have been covered in. For the prodigal son, he put a robe on him. He put a ring on his finger and said, hey, you're in the family. If you are a Christ follower, you have been robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. His righteousness has been placed in your bank account. Your spiritual bank account is full with his righteousness. You are robed with him. So he says, come boldly. Let me show you this last scripture and I'm done. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 4. I mentioned it earlier. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse 14, 15, and 16, and I'm done. Hebrews 4, 14, 15, and 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. You know what I love when I pray? And Jesus is my mediator. Jesus is the one that I can get to the presence of God. Aren't you grateful that Jesus really does understand? I don't know about you, but that's one of the the most beautiful things to me. As I pray in the authority, we don't have time, we'll do this we get to pray in the authority of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, this week, do a study all through the New Testament about the authority that we get when we are in Jesus Christ is incredible. But here it tells us that we have a Heavenly Father who sympathizes with us. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Look at verse 16. Let us therefore come, what? Boldly, the same exact Greek word. Let us come with openness. Let us come with frankness to the throne of grace. When we come through Jesus in boldness, mark the rest of verse 16. What will we obtain at the presence of God? This is beautiful. What will we get? That we may attain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to be overwhelmed that you have access to God. I want you to be overwhelmed that you are covered in Jesus' righteousness. 
I want you to be overwhelmed that you can come boldly into the throne room of God. Mm. So here's my question. Are you going to let that access collect dust? Because here's the invitation. Number one, if you don't know Jesus, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, you do not have access to the throne of God. It only comes through Jesus. I would be a fool if I thought as many people that is in this room, there's somebody that has not trusted Jesus Christ. The moment we stand in the moment, if you've not trusted Jesus Christ, do not believe the lie of the devil. But the moment we stand up, you walk down to one of the pastors and say, I need Jesus. Some of you today, you're a Christ follower, and you've allowed the prayer just to slip away. Here's the invitation for you. The moment we stand to our feet, the moment we start singing, you come to this altar and you praise God that you have access to the very throne of God through the mediator, through the person of Jesus Christ. Some of you are dealing with issues in your life. And the moment we stand and we have the invitation, I want you to come. And I want you to come with all openness and all frankness before God today. Why? Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of what? Prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our prayer is that this place will be a house of prayer. Lord, I pray that we will be overwhelmed Lord, that we're overwhelmed even right now at this very moment. For me, I have got access with all boldness and all frankness to the presence of God. Jesus, because you have bought my soul, you have forgiven me. You remember my sin no more. And Lord God, I come to you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I cry out on you because you're a holy, you're righteous, you're the Alpha and the Omega. You are before all things. And Lord, I declare my total and complete dependence on you. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that it's not sacrificing an animal today. Thank you, Lord, that it's just not a high priest that can come into the holies of holies one time a year. But thank you, Lord, that you tore that veil from the top to the bottom. And through Jesus Christ, you give us access to you. God, I pray over this ring for that person who's never trusted Jesus. I pray that they will not believe the lie of the devil. They will not believe their flesh. But God, I pray the moment we stand that they're going to come and trust Jesus and receive the forgiveness that you can give. God, I pray for the one that's just let their prayer life just slip away. God, bring them back to the place of awe. Bring them to the place being overwhelmed that they get to be in your presence through Jesus Christ.
is no one's moving in this room, no one looking around. How many of you just very open and very frank would say, Pastor Eric, I know I've got access to the presence of God, but quite frankly, I've just kind of let my prayer life just kind of slip. It's not what it's supposed to be. Is no one's looking at that's you. I, I want you to be honest. It's, you know, it, it's just kind of slipped away. If that's you, I, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Eric, that's me. That's me. I've forgotten the incredible privilege that I get to have. Many of you, put your, many of your hands are up. Let's don't put aside what Jesus tells us to major on. His house to be a house of prayer. Oh, Lord, may we follow your Spirit's leading. In Christ's name.